other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between Yo, it's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart through the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life Things 
um, something as minor as where we place our trash. So what we do is we ask that you move a trash can, your trash can, one that you visit often, move it to a different location and monitor the time, the number of times that you return to its old location. When you do this, allow yourself to think about how, how, how many things, what other things that you are just simply participating in, um, accepting, doing, because it's just what you do. It's what you know. It has become that habit. And as we know, um, we say every Monday you sow a thought, you, you reap a habit, you sow a habit, you reap. I'm not saying that right. You sow a thought, you reap an action, you sow action, you reap habit. Your habit becomes your character, and your character is leading you somewhere. Your character becomes your destiny. So how we think um, certainly is leading us somewhere, whether it's a place you want to go or not. It is so important to reassess, uh, to think about what's going on in your head. What are you putting out in that air? What things you are, you are drawing in your life? So when you return back to that old location again, allow that to take you to a place where you really reflect upon your life the thoughts, your decisions, and the things that have become such a habit to you, good or bad for you, that you're just, you're, you're okay. You become comfortable with those things and with people sometimes because it's just what you know. So wanted to get that out. Um, again, tonight's topic is teen domestic violence, and we're going to get into this conversation, into this discussion. We're also going to talk about uh, the conference and the walk that we have here, April 18th, Saturday, April 18th. We want to share some things with you about that as well. So, Rodney, um, anything before we get started? I just want to welcome uh, Mr. Greg Jones back to the show and want to thank everyone who's tuned in out there. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we're still honoring leading men in this. Uh, great to have one of our leading men uh, back on with us to talk about such a a serious issue that I don't think uh, many people are aware of the uh, the effects of it and the impact uh, on it. So glad to have you I back on, Greg, and look forward to having this conversation. Hey, I, I really thank you all for uh, inviting me back on to the show um, to talk more about domestic violence and the effects that it has on a large spectrum across the nation. Um, you know, but today we're going to talk about the majority of our talk will be about teen uh, domestic violence. Uh, February is the month for teen violence, and uh, we're going to put some, you know, we're going to talk about some statistics, and we're just going to talk about some facts that are out there about this epidemic. Um, but a lot of times if you're not a parent of a teen uh, or your teen has not been affected by this type of behavior from uh, a partner, then you kind of overlook it. And a lot of times as parents, you know, we don't want to think that our kids are going through this stuff, but this stuff is real on a national level, very, very real. Hey, hey Gregory, why do you, uh, as Rodney just mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, why do you feel in spite of, I know that I think it's 18 to 24 is is kind of the, the age range to where uh, the most, I believe, domestic violence happens, and that's pretty young. I think it's 18 to 24, if I remember correctly, but it's, it's, well, it's a very young age. What? 
why do you feel that um, it's, we don't, it seems like we talk about domestic violence, but it's more so about the older people. And as you're going to share tonight, uh, there are a lot of changes that need to be made as it relates to our younger people. And being that that age range is so that it's such a young age range, why, why isn't there more focus on our younger people? Well, one of, one of the reasons why there is not such a focus on the younger uh, category, such as the teens or the adolescents, is because in a lot of states there are laws that prevent uh, people from getting uh, orders of protection against minors. So, therefore, it's not reported accurately um, through the justice system as being domestic violence. So a, a lot of states in, um, you know, they look at this type of behavior as kids being kids a lot of times. And, it, and it's not kids being kids. This is real, live, uh, actual behavior that is not, you know, conducive with, you know, society, you know. And a lot of this stuff, believe it or not, is learned behavior. It's what children see their parents do or parent or see what their parents go through, and sometimes they say this is acceptable behavior. Um, when we talk about statistics, young people ages from 12 to 19 experience the highest rates of rape and sexual assault, you know, because at that age you're, you're very vulnerable and you're accepted to a lot of peer pressure that's out there um, from your friends, you know, if they're doing a particular thing or if they're actively involved in sex, a lot of times then those teens or those adolescents will follow behind their friends and it oftentimes it leads them to get in trouble. Teenagers between the age of 18 and 19 years old experience the highest rate of stalking. And we all know with technology, Stalking just doesn't mean someone shows up at your house or lurks through your door. They are contacting you through social media or on your cell phone through text messaging every two seconds, seems like, and, you know, different things like that with our technology that has uh, evolved over time. One in three adolescent girls in the United States is a victim of physical, emotional, or verbal abuse. One in three. I mean, those numbers are staggering because we have such a large population across America. And it's, and this is truly, and I've said this before when we talked about, you know, the adult domestic violence, this is truly one epidemic that is not a racial issue. I mean, it happens in every demographic, every demographic, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. You know, it doesn't matter. It happens in every demographic. 1.5 million high school boys and girls in the U.S. admit to being intentionally hit or physically harmed in the last year by someone they romantically were involved with. And the problem there is they feel that they are so in love with this person or this person has a lot going on, i.e., they're playing football, they're playing basketball, you know, or doing, you know, great things in the community but their life at home or behind closed doors is something totally different. And a lot of times these girls do not want to report them because of the influence that their um, the person who they're dating has within the community. 
I mean, the statistics are just, you know, it's alarming. And as parents, you know, we need to be more active in checking our children's phones. We need to be more active at looking at who they're texting, who they're on social social media with, and all these things, you know. I, I do, I hear a lot of parents when they email me say, well, you know, I, I don't have access to my, my child's phone. Why not? You're paying for it. If you don't have access to your child's phone, and I'm just being real, I'm keeping it 100, you don't have access to your child's phone and you're paying for it, then something's wrong, okay? you you got to step up to the plate and be the parent and take the phone if you see unwarranted behavior within that phone, you know. Or some parents will say, well, they work, they pay for their own phone, but guess what? They live in your house, and the things that they're doing on that phone is going to bring trouble to your doorstep. You better believe it. So... The thing we have to do as parents is become more actively involved with what our children are doing. And it's not, you know, children are screaming, you're you're violating my privacy, you're doing this, you're doing that. Okay, well, you're violating the law. Okay, so you need to get ready, you know, to be more active in your children's lives and see what they're doing because sometimes in certain states this will come back on you. You're the one charged with the crime because you're not, watching what your children are doing online or through text messages and different things like that. Well, Gregory, you said one in three girls. I think that's what you said. I want to make sure that I heard that correctly. One in three girls um, are being either emotionally or physically abused. Right. One in three adolescent girls in the U.S. is a victim of physical, emotional, or verbal abuse. Um, so and this, those who are listening, that means someone that we know, this could be, and that was one of the questions I posed out, is would you know if your son or daughter was being abused? And that that's, goes back to what you were saying. A number of parents are so um, disconnected as parents, meaning they are really not involved in the day-to-day lives of their of their teenagers, like have no clue where they are, their plans. You have kids who can just make a decision to go to parties or whatever without consent, without asking. And so that's a problem in itself. So I ask for those parents who are listening, do you think you know? And if so, how? And then I also want to make sure we address the friends of the teenagers who are who could possibly be going through this because I feel there's always one that knows what's going on. I want to make sure that we tell, that give them some ways of how to help. When should they help? Because there's some guilt that sets in. If I say something, then I'm 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 um, I'm tattling on my friend. If I don't, um, then something can happen. So I want to make sure we we talk about that as well. But I just wanted to to make sure that we express that or put some emphasis on that. One in three. So that means for those of you who are listening there's probably someone that you know, indirectly or directly, that could possibly be going through this. And would you know? And if so, what would you do? Would you know what to do? Well, not only that, that, Tammy, um, and this is Rodney, um, if one in three girls um, are, one in three teenage uh, girls are suffering from uh, domestic violence, 
that also means that somebody has to be abusing them. So if you don't know um, someone who is being abused, you might be in the presence of or be dealing with or around um, someone who is abusing another team that that could be abusing one of those girls because if if one in if one in every three girls are being abused that's thirty three percent so someone has to be abusing those girls so would you recognize or do you know if you are around someone who is abusing one of those girls well that that's where we get into the premise of parents have to be parents. You know, they cannot allow Xbox and Facebook and all these other entities which are out there that we didn't have when we were growing up to raise their children. You know, the only thing that we had growing up was outside. That was it. You know, today they got so much that babysits these these kids, per se, and then the parents become hands-off. Now, I'm not knocking anybody, you know, because you got single parents that got to work and they got to do the best thing that they can, but you still know your child, and you still know what type of child that you have. So, for instance, if I got a happy-go-lucky child or one that's, you know, active and, 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 you know, very, you know, involved in different things, but then all of a sudden her demeanor changes, you know, and she's so withdrawn or the people that she used to hang out with or or no longer the people she's hanging out with. She's hanging out with a different crowd or, you know, her, you know, it's just her demeanor has changed so drastically that you begin to wonder, is there something wrong? They become withdrawn. And those are just some of the minor signs that you can pick up about this child that you had, you know, this child that you birthed or, you know, raised or, or what have you, and you must look at those signs. We talk about the one in three statistics, and Rodney, you're absolutely right. If if 33% of these girls are being abused and somebody uh, on the male spectrum is the ones who are abusing them. Now, a lot of times there is with the outcry of, you know, uh, same-sex relationships now, you know, that's become very popular in today's society. Um, no one's hiding it. No one's being in the closet about it or anything like that. A lot of these times, um, same-sex uh, violence happens also. And, I mean, it's still domestic violence, but it's not just males harming females. It's females harming females. It's guys harming guys and so on and so forth. And, it's, it's really become a large problem across the spectrum. I cannot express that enough. When we talked on our last show, we said one in three um, women die, I mean, not one in three, three women die a day from domestic violence. That's a day, you know, throughout the year. So that's 1,095. But if we really look at it, those statistics are not accurate. Because we have to put into play that, like I said earlier, a lot of these states do not have laws which allow minors to have orders of protection put against them. So when these uh, young adults kill other young adults or these teenagers, then it's not reported accurately as domestic violence. 
So not only do we have three women dying a day, we have to add on children and the small number of men who are dying per day. And if we could accurately come up with a figure, we're looking at anywhere from nine to 15 people a day dying from some sort of violence um, that's going on within relationships or under the household. It, it's a it's an alarming rate which is totally becoming out of control. So I just don't want to put the guys on blast to say that they're the ones doing this abuse because it's not like that. It's also women on women, male on male. You know, I want to um, brought up about the thing, kind of signs that, that a parent can can notice or might notice and, and may realize that something's going on. Another thing that I thought about, change of clothing. Typically when it's hot outside and they want to wear long sleeves or vice versa, that's another sign. Something could be going on because they have to hide the bruises. Because, again, yeah. they and, don't want to their wardrobe does say a lot. First of all, you got to look at the attitude of the child. You know, their demeanor has changed, so that's that's the obvious sign right there. And like you said, if it's if it's eighty, ninety degrees outside, and they going outside with turtlenecks on or an abundance of makeup on when they didn't used to wear that, those are are telltale signs that something is going on. But this is another thing which is alarming that we as parents have to really get involved. And when we talk about, we'll talk about health care and how it relates to domestic violence. In the U.S., 25% of high school girls have been abused physically and sexually. These teens are six times more likely to become pregnant or contact the STD. So when we talk about health care in America as it relates to domestic violence, we also have to, you know, take our, our children for checkups, females who are, you know, uh, sexually active or have started their menstrual cycle. They need their annual pap smears, and but there are a lot of people who don't do it. Or... Because these girls or young men don't report that they're being abused, then a lot of times we as parents or caretakers just, we we don't think about it, and so then we don't take them to the doctors to get checked. So then they come up with these diseases or, you know, these STDs and stuff, and it's, it's at an alarming rate. That's all in the factor. You know, domestic violence, people just think it's, you know, verbal, or, or physical abuse, there are a lot of aspects to domestic violence, a lot of aspects, and it just doesn't, you know, contend to adults. It's like we're talking about. It's in the teen uh, realm. Right. Our, our lines are open for those of you who are listening. Remember, you have to select the number one if you have questions or comments. About tonight's topic, please select the number one, and the chat line is open as well. We have Gregory Jones uh, talking about teen domestic violence on tonight. Go ahead, Rodney. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, Greg, I have a question for you. So um, one of the hottest books um, over the last couple of years has been Fifty Shades of Grey. And then the movie came out this past weekend, 
However, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey has taken some criticism because there are some people um, like Amy Bonomi, um, who is a professor um, at Michigan State University, um, who believe that uh, Fifty Shades of Grey um, contributes or encourages um, domestic violence or sends the wrong message pretty much saying that, you know, a man with good looks can get anything he wants or, um, you know, he, he can have whatever he wants. And she even, uh, she even is quoted by saying um, that, you know, a lot of ways we think about romantic relationships uh, that, you know, that are constructed by Hollywood, you know, we say, oh, it's really sexy and hot when someone follows me or calls me a million times. But she says that those are warning signs. How do you feel about, you know, this this idea that Fifty Shades of Grey, which has been, you know, so popular, um, that has sold, you know, millions of copies of this book and, you know, so many people, you know, line up at the movie theaters to see this over the weekend. How do you feel about, you know, that idea that Fifty Shades of Grey contributes to domestic violence and, you know, the fact that there are some females who think that it is, you know, it is okay or, you know, it's a really good thing. You know, they, they, I, I don't know, I guess they get riled up or get extra horny when some somebody is following them or chasing them down or, you know, calling them or, you know, stalking them. What do you say about that? Well, first of all, you know, a book and a movie like uh, Fifty, uh, Fifty Shades of uh, Grey, it sex sells in America. We all know that, correct? And so when when people put books out like this, it is going to have some sort of adverse effect on the masses. When you you made a point, you said uh, a good something about a good looking male and women falling all over him. Well, that's true. You know, uh, you have a lot of males out there that are good-looking, and a lot of these women kind of fall at their feet, and they're at their whim, especially if the now, hear me, and I want to be clear because I don't want nobody to think that I'm calling them ugly because I'm not. Let's be clear. Women who think they're not attractive or worthy enough are the ones who are susceptible to this type of behavior. So when they think they're not good-looking enough or think they're not worthy enough, they attach, they attach themselves to these men who appear to have it going on in society, have good looks, good jobs, and all this, and they think to their girlfriends, they got it going on. But behind closed doors, he's not really giving her the attention that, you know, is put out there to the public persona, okay? And then she's doing all this stuff for him, you know, clothes or shoes and, and buying all these different things for him, paying his car notes. Some women pay the bills and everything, and he's not doing anything in return. So then her attitude changes. You know, well, I, I didn't sign up for this. You know what I'm saying? But now he's in control because he, he, he doesn't lock you in. Now I'm going to leave you and I'm going to do this. So from that aspect on, on a book and a movie such as that, it really puts out 
in the community that, you know, this is this is okay. This is Hollywood, you know, but this is real life. These are real women's lives being affected by this type of attitude for men. It is not good for, um, you know, our young females to be caught up in such books and movies such as this. It does send the wrong message, in my opinion. You know, I'm sure people will have different opinions and grown-ups do what they want to do, but the reality of it is is what's in those books is really not life. You know, that's not reality. So that's I how know. I feel about it. This is Tammy, and I wanna, I'm want i going to share something with you guys. did not read the book, but I am part of a, a group called Girls Night Out, and this was the selected movie, and we, I actually went to see this movie Sunday. And me being, I guess, where I am in, in life now, I'm totally, totally taken by the movie, totally surprised of, of the content. But, and I don't know if this is, again, because of where I am now, but the message, so ironic, because I didn't think about this until just now as you were talking about it and brought it up. It's so ironic, and I hate to give the movie out, but I'm going to say this. There is some, some, some things that happen due to sexual abuse at an early age. So there's some things in this movie that lead to what happens in it where it comes out that it comes from years of sexual abuse as a child. And so mm-hmm. I, was, I was with a friend that I, because we know there's going to be a part two and probably number three as well, but I could see where it would be so awesome if they ended with a great message from this because what is what what I took, and again, it's just maybe because I look differently now and I'm looking for what, what, what message can I get in spite of all this because we're going to have to learn to do that because the world is full of evil. So what can I get? What can I take out of this? And I kept pondering on what one of the parties went through at a very young age um, from an adult person and for many years. And so if nothing else, allow that to be why it's so important for us to address these issues uh, because we have a sense of, of turning our eyes and ears away when things happen like this. There are people right now that know somebody is, is going through this. Some child is being abused, but they choose to keep silent. They choose not to say anything. And these children know that they know. I've seen it happen myself where, like, keep quiet for whom and for what. But we, we have a way of turning our, our ears and eyes away from the truth. So I just wanted to bring that up about that movie because it does, it does reference sexual abuse at a young age, mm-hmm. which turns and, into and that, So let's, let's, let's take one of the callers and, and see what they're talking about and uh, see if we can, you know, start the conversation. Well, let's see if we have any. And if not, then I have – we have callers, but no one has selected the number one. So what I'd like to do, I do want to give out, just in case um, – there is a domestic violence hotline, sexual abuse hotline as well, 800-799-7233. Again, 800-799-7233. And there's also, I wanted to share with you for our teenage kids, teenagers, young people, there is um, 
www.ghostbusters.org. This is only for young people. They're able to call in, chat with people um, if, if you're going through this. Because, again, sometimes it really is difficult for our young people to go and talk with someone face-to-face. But you need to speak with someone, male or female. You need to speak with someone and get a handle on this because it only gets worse. And then later on I'd like to give out some just some signs, um, how you can recognize some signs, some more. We gave out some, but I want to give out a few of those. But for those of you who are listening, the chat line is open, and our phone line is open. Selection number one, if you have any questions or comments about tonight's topic, which is teen domestic violence. Go ahead, Gregory. For so there, there, are, there are some, um, you know, more staggering statistics out there, you know, that you're, you know, it just makes you shake your head. You're just like, wow, what in the world? Violent behavior often begins between the ages of six, between uh, the grades of sixth and twelfth grade. Sixth and twelfth grade. I mean, you wouldn't think that a sixth grader is committing you know, these small offenses of the of domestic-type violence against someone, but it happens. It happens because more and more often our children are dating younger and younger. 72% of 13- and 14-year-olds are dating. That is a scary number. 13- and 14s are dating with no supervision, and a lot of hormones. That's well, very, very alarming. Well, uh, uh, first, uh, someone someone uh, just uh, commented um, um, in response to, to the question about um, Fifty Shades of Grey um, encouraging or contributing to domestic violence. And they said neither. That is some people's preference. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they mean by this, but I would assume that um, that they mean that that some people choose to participate um, in violence. Or um, something else that came to mind was the fact that there are some people who choose to, um, I guess, get violent or have what is known as rough sex. Um, what do you think about that, um, Greg, whereas people, you know, tend to, there are some people who, you know, they, they don't, um, I guess, they're, they're not abusive on a regular basis, but, you know, because, um, you know, their partner may be into that kind of stuff, um you know, some some people, I guess, engage in very rough um, sexual activity or, you know, even name-calling. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that that is along the same lines, or do you think that that is different? I, I personally believe that is different if it's in respect to adults. If that's the type of sexual behavior in their bedrooms and in their privacy that they like, you know, then, you know, I say so be it because they're grown, both consenting. But it, it, it's a problem 
when you got young teenagers, you know, 13, 14, 15 year olds engaging in that type of behavior and having um, sex and, you know, talking to women like that or having rough sex or, you know, engaging in, you know, threesomes and all that other stuff, that is very alarming. That is very, very alarming, which causes an effect later on in life. It it causes that male to think he is superior all the time and he's going to get his way and he's going to have his way. And if they don't, you know, want to give in, then that's when the verbal abuse starts. That's when, you know, the calling out of their names and with technology, um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of these actions are caught on film or picture taken. And so that's why we see crazy stuff like that on Facebook because somebody didn't get their way. So because they didn't get their way, guess what? I'm going to expose you and and have this label of ho or whore or hoochie or thought, as they call it, put on this female. And, you know, it's really, really it's just unbelievable some of the things that I read about statistically or hear about and different things like that. So there's always, you know, effect to what happens uh, when you're a child versus an adult. But this is Tammy, and I, I think it goes a lot back, goes back to how a person feels about who they are. There's such a sense of insecurity and lack of self-worth until it puts, adults and the youth in a situation to just go with things that they may go with, but when it's over, whether it's the abuse of violence, whether it's the domestic abuse, abuse, sexual abuse, it's like people tend to put up with things just to have someone or to fit in or to be um, known as this or that, and that goes back to the insecurity and not feeling worthy enough. Because if you talk about that, I don't think it's about looks so much anymore. Because there are a great number of uh, beauty comes in, in in many ways, but there are a great number of people that you would think, "Wow, why 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 do you feel you must go through this?" It has nothing to do with looks. It is what a person feels about himself or herself inside that would would take them to this level and also think, I must stay here, Uh, along with some other things as well. But when you talk about the insecurities and going going to that level of it, I believe it always comes back to your self-worth and and what you think you deserve. And sometimes people deal with things because they think, this is all I can get. Well, that's that's what I had hit on. I, I said those women, and I'm putting quotation marks around who think they're not good and good looking enough or who think they're not worthy enough to have this type of man or any man who's paying them attention, then they start to act out in different ways. And it's all about self-worth. But you hit up on another topic when you talk about the effects after everything is over. Teens who suffer dating abuse are subject to long-term consequences like alcoholism, eating disorders, and we know that happens with teens because some guy or even some girl is out there telling them, girl, you you big or you fat or you whatever, 
So we have these eating disorders. Thoughts of suicide and even themselves become violent towards other people who are just trying to help them or look out for them. So there's a lot of effects that goes on with this teen um, violence, teen uh, behavior, and we as parents, it all comes back. You know, I'm, I can't, I'm not trying to blame parents because no, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. We do the best thing, that, the best that we can in raising our children, but we can all, to include myself, can all be a little bit more uh, visible into <laughs> what our children are doing. We have to check that cell phone because we do here in this house. Those, those cell phones are checked, and and trust me, we we even saw some crazy stuff in the cell phone, and we check that behavior. And you just, I mean, I know sometimes it may be redundant or it may get on your nerves, but you you have to do it, and then it will curb some of that which is going on. I ain't say it was gonna stop it. It it will just bring it down a little bit. Um. And another thing which is important, you know, fathers, we, we have, if we got girls, and, and even if we don't have girls, we got sons. Children, I often say children don't listen too much to what we say, but they do emulate what we do. So we have to be that role model starting at home for how our children are in society. And if anybody doesn't agree with that, they, you know, they I'm I'm sorry. There, there's something wrong with that. If they don't think that the role model image doesn't start at home, it does. And if the father is not there, then you know the, they're looking at mom. You know, I don't know why she's telling me I can't do this. Well, she had me at this age, and she did this, and she did that, and every weekend she going out and da da da. Hey, children don't listen to what we say, but they do listen. And look at what we do. So, right. let's this is what I'm going to do again here. Um, go ahead, Tammy. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to, it'll probably take mine a little bit longer. So, you go ahead. I was going to give some of the signs out uh, of ways that people could recognize the sign, especially another team friend. So, go ahead. I prefer you go first, and, and I'll give these out. Uh, that's funny. I was going to do that um, a little bit later. Um, but I but I wanted to add some statistics um, to what Greg has um, already given out, um, and this comes from um, women womenhelpingwomen dot org. If anyone wants to look it up, um, according to this site, it says only thirty three percent of teens who uh, were in abusive relationships told anyone. So not many of them even tell anyone. Um, Six out of ten rapes of young women occur in their own home or a friend or relative's home, not in a dark alley. Um, dating violence is the leading cause of injury to women, um, in case you did not know that. Um, uh, 58% of rape survivors report being raped between ages 12 through 24. Um, and uh, one other one is that um, females between ages 16 and 24 are four times more likely than the general population to be victims of partner violence. So, um, and then one other one, I will add this: um, 
the young people, uh, teenagers who are involved in same-sex dating are just as likely to experience dating violence as youth um, who are involved in opposite-sex uh, dating. So, uh, Tim, I'll, I'll turn it over to you to um, give out some of the signs of being in an abusive relationship. Okay. Um, and I've, and I've read this from loveisrespect.org, and this is the same website that's just for teens. And, again, this is the one that I gave out earlier, and you're able to chat, call in, and it's loveisrespect.org. So this is where this information comes from. And it's recognized the signs, uh, one which is you notice their partner calls them names or puts them down in front of other people. Number two, if they talk to other people, their partner gets extremely jealous. Number three, they apologize for their partner's behavior and make excuses for it. Number four, they frequently cancel plans at the last minute for reasons that sound untrue. Number five, their partner is always checking up, calling or texting, and demanding to know who they're with and where they've been. Number six, you've seen fights escalate to breaking or hitting things. Uh, number seven, they constantly they constantly worried about upsetting their partner or making them angry. Number eight, they give up things they used to enjoy, such as spending time with friends or other activities. Number nine, their weight, appearances, or grades have changed dramatically. These should be signs of depression, which could indicate abuse. And lastly, they have injuries that can't that they can't explain, or the explanations just really don't make sense. So those are just some. And then later, before we disconnect, I'd like to try to kind of give some things of, of what a friend can do to help. Um, I'll turn it back over to you. And Rodney, I'm going to step away for just a second, okay? Sounds good to me. Well, one of the, you know, when she talked about the behavior of, you know, making excuses uh, for their mate, you know, that when we talk about adult um, domestic violence, that also goes into the battered women syndrome, you know, uh, where the women oftentimes, you know, make excuses for their abusers. You know, like Tammy said, they do apologize for their abuse, and, that, and it's sort of like the, the battered women's syndrome. They, they're everything that that person does. There's a reason in their mind why they do it, and a lot of times, we as family members or friends, we just will say, "Well, dang, why why don't she just you know be done with him, or why don't she just leave him?" And once again, just as in the adult. Of domestic violence, it's just not that easy, um, you know, because it, it is dangerous when they want to leave because that's when it escalates, you know, when, you know, the woman is tired of being tired and she wants to leave, then his behavior escalates more because at this point, he figures he ain't got nothing to lose because she's going to leave and oftentimes leads to her getting hurt really bad or getting killed. So, as family members, I, I just, you know, I like to let them know and encourage them all the time not to get angry because they don't leave when you want them to leave. You know, it's a safety factor in that. 
there truly is a safety factor in in that, and a lot of times women will carefully and methodically do certain things so that they know they are safe. And then on, on other aspects, you got a lot of these uh, abusers, whether it be adults or teens, they make these crazy threats, or I'm going to kill your parents, or I'm going to kill, you know, a loved one if you leave me. And we all know that this happens a lot of time in society where innocent people are getting killed because the woman wants to leave. She's tired of being tired. So who, even though he committed this act, I mean, this heinous act of murder or abusing somebody, it's often, the fault is often laid on her lap as, well, my loved one wouldn't be dead if you would have just left him. That's, that's, that's not... That's not why your loved one is dead. Your loved one is dead because, you know, this guy took it upon themselves to commit that act of murder because he was trying to be controlling and she was tired of it. We can't lay the blame on the victim. We have to put the the blame where it belongs, and that's on the abuser. So when we, you know, once again, when we talk about domestic violence and everything, be it teen or adults, you know, there's just a whole bunch of spectrum in domestic violence. A lot of things happen, homelessness, financial uh, ruin with domestic violence, because these women, and oftentimes, you know, a small number of men, just feel that they don't have anywhere to, um, to go. And when we talk about homelessness when it relates to domestic violence, you know, they, they figure, hey, you know, Especially, okay, look at it, it's wintertime on the East Coast. I mean, it's very cold. So mm-hmm. she's going to do whatever she needs to do to have that little bit of stability, even if she has to endure some of the, you know, disrespect towards her in abuse, be it verbal or physical, because they don't want to live outside or they have children or, or what have you. So... I mean, we can we can talk about domestic violence and, and everything that's a spinoff from domestic violence, and you will see that a lot of different other problems lead to you know lead from domestic violence. It just it's it's just uh, epidemic that is just way way out of control. And I often say the laws would get changed faster if the <coughs> making the laws had these situations intimately happen to them, like their daughter or 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 their mother or something like that. I, I often said that because, you know, these laws aren't strong enough. And, and when these young men go to jail because they abuse, then, you know, they're getting out on $3,000 and $5,000 bail, but they only have to come up with 10% only have to come up with 10%. So that's three to $500, and they back on the street terrorizing this woman. I mean, that's not tough. You get more time for abusing a dog, as we've seen, you know, with Michael Vick, than you would abusing a person. Come on now. I mean, uh, America, we, we are America the beautiful and America the great. But there are some aspects within this country that just needs to be changed, you know, we we we, we got to stop looking at everything politically, and we have to take a bold step and learn to protect our citizens. 
you know, we have to learn to protect our citizens, and that and that's a big problem, you know. And then again, we're talking about domestic violence, but how many shows on TV do you see about domestic violence? I mean, really, how many shows out there do you see about domestic violence? And there's really none. Really, there there's really none. And you know, there, there's all kind of rap videos and, you know, glor- glorifying, you know, drugs and, and, and women and all this other stuff, all kind of TV, crazy TV shows out there, reality shows, but there's not one out there that talks about domestic violence on a daily basis or highlights cases of domestic violence which would bring it to light. And as we talked about on the last show, when we talked about the football player Ray Rice, the NFL wanted that to go away <laughs> like yesterday. They wanted that to go away so, you know, their organization can get on with business. Nobody likes to talk about this this stuff, and it's, and it's hard. And because, you know, real people are suffering, real people are dying. And my eyes wasn't woke enough to it, you know, until I just started seeing all these people around me getting killed. You know, and and that just woke something up in me and said, you know, hey, you you should take a stand, you know, for this, and you know, get it out there. And I and I do my best. I'm not perfect, but I do my best in getting it out there and you know, really educating people on what needs to happen. So in both spectrums, teens and adults, this is just way out of control for this nation. And it's just not in America. It's all over the place. All over the place, abuses of women, because, you know, the majority of those being abused is women. So it's just all over the place, and I believe, and if I, you know, if God is willing, you know, I want to bring it to the forefront. What do you think most of the abuse happens amongst teenagers? And I'm, I'm truly talking about those teenagers um, as, as young as you'd like to go, maybe 13 to 18. Where do you feel the most, um, I guess, the most popular place for that abuse? Where does it take, take place the most? And I mean the physical abuse. Well, the, the physical abuse um, takes place definitely away from the home of that female or, you know, male, and it takes place away from the people that they feel safe around. You know, once these these teens, you know, get this girl or they call them their girlfriend or whatever, we we just talked about it, you know, not not long ago with this technology. They, they text me, you didn't call me back, and, and, you know, I text you five times within – you know, 10 seconds and you didn't call me back. And it's it's a control aspect. A lot of it, I, I hate to say it, but it is learned behavior. But a lot of it is also because, you know, these young men want to control these women and be some sort of, I don't know if they want to be studs or, you know, they want to be the, the popular guy on, on, on the block. But that's not the way to be it. That's not the way to be it. And a lot of times when I tell these young girls and, I, you know, I'll see a status here and there on Facebook or or I'm talking to somebody on Facebook, and I got to say, you you got to know your worth. You got to know that you are valuable. You know, it's, 
you know, just because you're a pretty face, or you may not be as pretty as this one, but you are worth, you know, not being abused. You know, you, you should not be abused. You should not allow anybody to talk to you any kind of way. You should not allow somebody to treat you in any kind of way, you know. And this is a problem, like I said, that is, you know, heavy across the spectrum. And it, it ain't black, white, Asian, Hispanic. This is everyday people, no matter what the color, no matter what the age, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, no matter if it's a good neighborhood, bad neighborhood. It happens. And But we have to address it, and we can't be afraid to address it. You know, it's, 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 it's frustrating. That's what it is. It's very frustrating to see these vibrant young women who have so much to offer society by way through their education and their talents and their skills, but it's being limited because they're being controlled by these men who just don't know better. Or if they do know better, they don't care. So that for me, that's a big problem, you know, and I got three girls, and, you know, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not the perfect dad, but I know these signs, and I ain't having it. I, I'm not having it. So we, 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 there might be some slow singing and some flower bringing, but, you know, if I can help it, no one is going to abuse my girls, and my boys better not be out there abusing no women. What do you say to the people who, um, in some of these cases, and I've only heard this um, in in cases where adults were involved, but what do you say to the people who um, who think that there are certain people who deserve this? Um, for example, there are people who believe that um, – that Janae Rice deserved what she got because she she stooped very low as to spit on Ray Rice. Regardless of the reason, what do you say to people who say that, you know, that these women, or even these men, because men suffer as well, that they deserve it? What do you say to those people? Well, I mean, people are going to be people, and I just want to be clear, people are going to think the way that they want to think. But truthfully, she did not deserve to be, I mean, we, I mean, come on, she did not deserve to be hit like that. I don't care what the situation was that led up to it. If she hit him first and all that other stuff, I got it. She was definitely wrong, and she should not have hit him. But at the same token, he should not have hit her either. And for those people who think that she deserved that, you know, I, I just want to say I, I feel in in my heart that you know they're wrong. You know I don't I don't want to call nobody out their name or I don't want to say nobody's ignorant or stupid or anything like that. I'm not going to go there. But I just feel in my heart that they are wrong to think that that was okay behavior. You know I've I've heard people personally say, well she's only forgiven him because you know now they're not living that lifestyle or whatever her reasons are to forgive them to forgive him were her reasons, and we don't have a right to judge her. We don't. But I also say he doesn't have a right to hit her, you know, no matter what the circumstance is. If she made him mad, put your hat on her and walk away, you know. But for somebody or anybody to think that that behavior 
or that she deserved that behavior, they're just flat out wrong. And like I said, I'm not going to get into calling people names and, you know, you know, calling them ignorant or stupid or anything like that. I just want to say that they are totally wrong if they thought she deserved that. Wow. You know, you you mentioned about men um, and the control. My opinion of that is I think men feel so. Most men, I'm going to say a lot of men, well, not most, a lot of men feel so out of control. Uh, and I know this, this issue is not just um, – a man thing. It's not just men abusing it. it it's a two-sided issue, but focusing on the men, there seems to be such a sense of, of feeling out of control because men are, their nature is to lead, to be in control, to be that provider, to, to be that one who takes care of everything. Even having a man in the home, or even having a young girl or a young boy having that father figure um, to receive those instructions from, to, to, to say, no, like you just said, no, you will not be one of those young women who accept this or you will not be one of the young men who accept it or give it. But there is such a sense of, of out of control in their own lives until when they feel that they can gain even control in the worst way, it does something to them when you add to it what has possibly gone on in their childhood or what they've seen in their childhood. And I know I've mentioned on this show, and I, I often wonder where this young man is, but how he coped with seeing his mother be abused, he was labeled as a headbanger. And because that's what he would do when he saw his mom be beaten by a stepfather or a boyfriend. I don't believe it was his, his they were married. I believe it was just a, 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 a in-house boyfriend. And that's what he would do. He would position himself between his bed and his wall and bang his head to, to just get that noise or that sound out of his, his surroundings, out of his ears. He did not want to hear it. So I often wonder what happened to this young man because as we sit and talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, that could very well be that young boy. And that's why I wanted to bring that up, that episode. But what I, I feel that men feel so out of control, and our young boys as well, with all this anger being set up because there's no one – to instruct them on how to be this young man that you know inside you long to be, that that is just part of your nature. So they're choosing whether it's to, to become homosexual or controlling, abusive, angry. There's so many things, and that's why we have to start talking about issues that really, really matter. And people have to start listening to issues and participating in discussions like this, because, again, if we'd have had Ray Weiss on here tonight talking about how he beat somebody or invited her to the girlfriend, whoever she is, people will be, we would have to probably shut the lines down because it's not about the issue. It's about who is involved, who who's in this issue this time. Because if it's just normal people, then, hey, it's, it's not important. But if it's someone that the world has elevated, I'm in. I want to know. Because I'm looking for something. That's what that's what I feel people think. Because I need some type of validation myself. So I think that, along with all the other things, has just turned people so far away from God, and they contradict their their egos, their insecurities, and and life is not going to be able to do that. Well, one of the things that you brought 
sorry, real quick. I read that in an article today that um, that people get so caught up into who's involved, and that really determines how they feel about the issue and how much they actually choose to uh, step up and say something or whether or not they back off. And then the media pretty much, like they do everything else, dictates people's feelings. Uh, People tend to go with, um, you know, whatever everyone else is doing. But they said that who is involved has a lot to do with people's reactions. And and you're absolutely right. It depends on the the stature as I don't want to use that word, you know, but that's about the only word I can think of right now. It's this, it's really the stature of the person which brings, you know, these highlighted cases to light and on the news. I mean, had that been, you know, you, Rodney, or me doing something, we might have got a, a quick blurb on the local news, or especially if we were way out of control, or we might have not have got no blurb, but it, it wouldn't have been talked about. You know, we just added us to the statistics number and kept it moving. But because he was a football player or these basketball players or these movie stars, when they get involved in this kind of stuff, then it is, you know, brought to light. But at the same time, it being brought to light, people, you got these PR people out here trying to spin it and, and, and trying to get this, this situation to go away very fast. One of the things Miss Tammy said um, when she was speaking at the beginning, which I think this is so, so important, and I, and I see it a lot of times in the military. Men, you know, are raised to be the providers. They are raised to, you know, take care of their families and be the breadwinner. Okay, but everybody don't got the same talent. You see what I'm saying? And I'm going to get to that point. Everybody does not have the same talent. Now, what I mean by that is if I happen to marry somebody who's a doctor, okay, nine times, and I'm a soldier, nine times out of ten, hey, I'm not going to make as much money as her, you know, because her talent and her, you know, what she does warrants her to make more money than me. And it's not saying that she's better than me or anything else. It just says that she has a talent that I don't have, and I don't have that earning capacity. But it doesn't mean you as a man can still not be a leader in your own home. She controls that outside her home at the hospital or if she's, you know, in the music industry and she can sing and you can and all this. She controls that out there. But when she comes home, you guys are a family and that spiritual structure is still in place. The man is the head of the household. But a lot of men can't separate that. You know, for me to be jealous of someone's talent is, to, for me, I often say, is for me to be mad that God gave them that talent. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, and we as men, and when I say the military, you'll have a lot of women who outrank their husbands, and it's a problem for them. You know, they're they're trying to climb that ladder, and they can't believe that their wife outranks them. I'm not saying all the husbands in the military like that, but I've heard enough husbands really get upset that their wife now outranks them. And it's just one of those things where, yes, men are brought up to believe that they are the breadwinners and in control, 
but at the same time, you can't help what talents or what abilities folks have. I mean, it's all about being able to separate that from, you know, your outside life, professional, to your home life, and giving that respect. You see what I'm saying? And I totally get, I, I totally get that, but I, I think it's, it's it's really important because I have to take it back to God because God I, God gives us our talent based on our ability, or He He provides what it takes. And I think what we're both I think we're saying the same thing because it doesn't matter. It should not matter. And, and this is a lot on women as well because. It, it should not matter if you're going to do life, if you're choosing to do life with someone, and the way you love, if you love, and how you love is based on if you make more or if he does or if he makes you make more and he makes less. If that's what your love or your decision to do life is based on or if that will kill this love or make you disrespect, then it's not love. It's not there. It's not love as as God would see it to be. And it takes, it goes back to us getting to a place, and I'm I'm thankful that that we're coming back to this place. It really takes us, me included, to get to that place where we are living to serve God because people will allow money to change them in a sense of even change, okay, how I feel about you now. Because what if it what if it starts out where the man does make that much money? And I know we're kind of getting off the topic, so I, I won't go that way. But I I wanted to bring that in because again, going back to those young boys, there's not a lot of men, and I'm I'm going to stand firm on that, and I want to even put emphasis on parenting. There is not a lot of men who are here to do, or I say that are doing what they should be doing, even if it's saying, hey, don't make the mistakes I made. Like we had Bo on the other night. Bo was saying, don't do what I did. This is what it cost me. And we need, men need to, young boys need to hear that from men, whether they lived a perfect life or not. If someone out there that maybe was an abuser in his life, then stand up and tell these kids, maybe that is your talent. Maybe that is your passion and purpose now. If you overcome that, then go back and speak to these young boys about you don't hit a woman. You don't try to control a woman in this way because a young boy, because of that nature of being the head, of being in control in a healthy way, when they feel like they cannot live, there's no way in the world they can live up to that to the potential of what society thinks they should be or say they should be as a man, when they feel defeated at that at age 13, 14, 15, then add to it, mama's really not there. Dad, where is dad? Who is dad if, in some cases? And that anger is going to come from such a place, and he's going to have to release it somewhere on somebody. And there's not a lot of people to sit and listen and help, even when they know what's going on. People will turn their heads to it. Well, and, and, and you're absolutely right. We as men, we we have to be, we have to step up, and we have to let our children know where we made these mistakes at in life, because we don't want our children, um, we don't want our children to, to repeat things that we did, especially when they're not good. But it all goes back to Miss Tammy, and I say that. We can say all we want to, 
But if that child doesn't see the change in that man, a lot of times, you know, they're going to do what he, you know, they're going to go by what he does and not so much by what he say because he's just giving lip service. That's why they always say actions speak louder than words. You know, even for me, it it took me a long time to get, you know, my attitude together. I had to go through, I wasn't an abuser or anything like that, but, you know, just some of the the things that I've gone through in relationships where, you know, I said to myself, you know, I could have did that better or I didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? And you want to really, really portray that to your children that you are on a straight and narrow and that you're on the right track and that you're going to do the right thing. But if they don't see those actions, and that's anybody in society, if they don't see those actions, you know, nine times out of ten, then they're not trying to hear what you got to say, whether you're a father or not. So this is why a lot of times we have um, people that we look up to, role models and mentors that are outside of the home because we are not doing the right thing in the home. You see what I'm saying? And right. so in, it, in, in, in that aspect, then it takes a village because there's somebody within that village that that child is looking up to or getting advice from because they they feel that that person is more worthy to get that advice from them than it is you when that's your child. And as a parent, I, I wouldn't want that to happen. You know, the, uh, I, I just wouldn't want that to happen. I don't need them to go to another man to know what is right and wrong. I have to admit to my mistakes, and we talk about it, you know, and I have to be able to show that action. So that they'll say, hey, hey, dad, dad is on the right track now. You know, and that, and that's a problem. Uh, a lot of men, you know, especially the ones that want to be there, a lot of men, they have a problem with that. But for the men who are not there, you know, I say, you know, this, it's all about responsibility. You made these children, and it is your responsibility to at least, if you ain't got the financial means to take care of them, then, I mean, I got it. Everybody don't have the financial means to do what they're supposed to do. But at least try to be there. Be there for that child and, and try to prevent some of this systemic problems that happens in society with our young girls when we don't have that male uh, figure around. And this is why I get so mad. And this is another topic, but I'm just going to hit on it real quick and then I'm going to jump back out because I'll probably step on some toes. This is why I get very upset at mothers who, I mean, if you ain't got that money there to to take care of that child or do something for that child, then the mother uses that child against the father so he can't see him. Well, after enough time, you know, it, it gets to a point where sometimes the father just gives up because he don't have the financial means, but he is willing to give time to that child and if you look at it after a child grows up, a father who didn't have a lot, but they showed a lot of love, they showed a lot of attention, trust me, that child is going to be more appreciative to that father. And then a lot of times it backfires on that mother. You kept me away from my father. He's not the person that you said he was. You know, because a lot of times children only hear one side of the story about their their father. You see what I'm saying? So... We get to another, you know, we get into another aspect of how things relate 
and go back to domestic violence. You know, no matter what topic we hit, you can always take it back or relate it to uh, some sort of violence or why certain children do what they do. I mean, it's it's just a proven fact. You know, there's there's no sugarcoating it, and it's just out there like that. This is Ron. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back in here. Um, so the other day, um, it was Friday. Um, I was listening to um, this radio um, this radio program here um, in the D.C. area, and so there was a guy on. Um, I believe he was one of the special guests on this on this radio program, and he was saying that men are so competitive about everything. Um, you think about sports. Men are competitive. Uh, we want to bet on certain teams. We want to bet on certain players. We talk trash about these players. Um, or even if we are participating in a sporting event, um, you know, we brag on what we can do. Um, you know, and he just used sports as one of the examples. Uh, we talked about boxing and just so many things. And he talked about you know, just the nature of a man and how competitive men are. And I thought about this when Terry was just talking. But he said that the only area where we are not competitive is when it comes to our women. When it comes to, you know, showing our women love, when it comes to treating our women right, like no man goes out and says, well, I'm going to outdo this man, you know, for Valentine's Day, or I'm going to go out and, you know, I'm going to cook for my woman or, you know, I'm going to be creative, you know, things of that nature. Men are competitive about everything other than treating women right. When it, If you want to talk about, you know, who can have sex with a woman first or whatever, men are so competitive. But when it comes to actually treating women right, men all of a sudden are no longer competitive. They don't care who does what for what woman. It's just, you know what, whatever. Like, I, I really don't care. Like, I'm not buying anything. I'm not doing any, doing anything. Um, just wanted to hear your thoughts on that, Greg. Well, I mean, and that's true. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times we take our women for granted. And, you know, the lady, I don't want to say our women because they're not property. So let me let me fix that. I want to say the women who are in our lives, we do take them for granted. And we do, you know, we do that role to get them. We we show them this, we show them that, and, and we treat them. But after we, you know, get the women to be in our lives, then a lot of times we stop doing the things that we need to do to keep them, you know, happy and satisfied. You know, there, when you when you're with a woman, you're supposed to continuously date her. You're supposed to continuously tell her she's beautiful. After she done had four children for you and might have got a little big, might have got a lot of, you know, a little out of shape, but that's, guess what? That's your, that's your children's mother. And, and, to her, and, you know, you should still give her that compliment that she is beautiful. You should always want to continue to open the door for her. You should always want to give her cards or flowers or whatever just because. You know, and a lot of times in society we just don't. We do what it takes to get them, but we don't do what it takes to keep them or to keep the romance in the relationship alive. So, therefore, what happens? 
Then she starts looking at other people, um, be it a man or, you know, another woman, if that's their flavor, um, you know, and that's what happens. So, you, you know, it's your own fault when that happens. Now, to say it's not, you can't correct that, you can correct anything. But, you, you know, both parties have got to be willing to, you know, have that correction happen. You can't, the woman can't give up on the man, and then the man, when she decides to do whatever because you're not treating her right and she steps out or whatever, you have to be willing to forgive her and then move on. I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but another thing that I always say, forgiveness is hard, but it is what? Necessary in order for you to move on um, in your relationship or in your dealings in society, period. You know, and and you're right, Ronnie. We we're competitive in everything, but how we treat our women. Now, me, for instance, I do a lot of cooking. I do the laundry. I do this and I do that. I, I got it. But everybody's not going to want to do that. You know what I'm saying? But you can't get upset when she's like, "Hey, I'm tired. I do. I go to work. I come home, and I'm doing this and." You know, if it's that type of guy, he's sitting at home doing playing Xbox all day, you know, that ain't cool. Or, you know, even if it's the guy that works and, and he's contributing, you know, everything within that household structure should not be on her. You know, give her a break sometimes, you know. Show her, you know, even if it ain't good, you know, cook something, wash the clothes, clean up the house, do something. You see what I'm saying, Ron? I think that I think that what we both men and women have lost sight of is the fact that um we should be working together. We should be getting along for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of relationships and for the sake of our children. And because in America we do not honor family, because in America we do not honor respect, we do not honor the morals and values that uh, we once had as a society and even as a black race, um, we have seen such a decline when it comes to just morals and values. And so, um, because of that, our society is suffering. Because of that, violence is 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 on the rise. Um, domestic violence is on the rise. Teen violence is on the rise because we have lost sight of what is important. We have lost sight of who is important. And so because we've done everything that God has instructed us not to do, we are now suffering and you know, we we can't seem to find our way back. We have so many so-called relationship experts, you know, who are simply people who are not even in healthy relationships, have never had a healthy relationship. And so now these people are providing advice or information to, to other people, um, some of them being children and some of them being adults. But these people are providing, you know, their expert opinions, and, you know, none of it is helping. And so what needs to happen is that we need to throw out all of this garbage. You know, we talk about the media. I know I'm one in particular. Um, You know, we talk about the media and the damage that the media does, but guess what? The media only gives us what we want. And think about it this way. The media 
feeds people what they want, right? Think about think about every living thing on this earth, whether it be a human, whether it be animals, whether it be insects, you know, doesn't matter. People only eat what is fitting for them, right? So humans, we don't go to the store and buy dog food and eat it, right? Correct. Because we are not dogs, right? We don't eat the same food that fish eat. They don't eat the food that we eat, right? So you you can only feed somebody what they are naturally designed to eat. Well, think about it this way. If the media is constantly feeding us drama, garbage, ratchetness, if that's what the media is feeding us, what does that say about us, the fact that we swallow this stuff and take it down and digest it with no problem? We will take off work. We will rush home. We will abandon our kids. We will leave our families. We'll say forget our wife for whatever it is, all for the sake of a ratchet reality show, all for the sake of the Super Bowl, all for the sake of the All-Star game. We will forget about our, our families, and I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier. We have just lost sight of what's important, and you know what? It all starts at home. So I'm going to place part of this blame on the parents because, you know what, I had a parent. We had a parent-teacher conference today before it started snowing and they told us to get out of the building. We had a parent that came in today, and that parent said that she was having issues, not that her children were watching inappropriate things on TV, but just the fact that her children were watching TV before they do, before they were doing homework, so she put a she put the parental lock on the TV. She put a code in so that no one can watch the TV until she went in and put the code in and took it off. But how many parents are doing that? You know how many parents walk into my room throughout the course of a school year and tell me, "Well, my child said that they didn't have any homework." Okay. You once went to school, maybe in the United States, maybe in Mexico, where you went to school. But you know that even if there's no homework, you know that you should be looking at something. Your child just does not show up at school, and there's no work being done. And if there is no work being done, then as a parent, you should be irate, and you should be fussing somebody, the teacher, the principal, the superintendent, or somebody, but so many parents show up, and they're so disconnected, they're so disengaged, or they are so busy trying to be their child's friends that no such thing as parenting is going on anymore. And so that's when it's easy for the devil to come in with things like domestic violence, with rape, with sexual abuse, and our kids are just being swallowed up on a regular basis. And you're absolutely right. You know, we. Jamie, I want to give out. You guys, I want to give out. We're going to lose time before we do this. But what can I do for for some of our young people and even our parents? And if if you don't have your young person on, please have them come back and listen to this show because you know someone that maybe knows someone that's going through this. So for our young people, uh, some of the things you can do. And again, this is from the site that's specifically for 
uh, young people, love is respect, uh, some of the things that you can do, and I won't give them all out, just a few. Don't be afraid to reach out to a friend who you think needs help. Tell them you're concerned for their safety and want to help. Uh, develop a safety plan. Be supportive and listen patiently. Acknowledge their feelings and be respectful of their decisions. Uh, help your friend recognize that the abuse is not normal and is not their fault. Everyone deserves a healthy, nonviolent relationship. If they break up with the abusive partner, continue to be supportive after the relationship is over. I think that is so important. And I'll read that one again. If they break up with the abusive partner, continue to be supportive after the relationship is over. Even when you feel like there's nothing you can do, don't forget that being supportive and caring, you're already doing a lot. Um, lastly, and I'll stop here, don't contact their abuser or publicly post negative things about them online. It only worsens the situation for your friend. And then there's one on here that I'll ask people to go and kind of look at themselves. It says, but what if my friend is the abuser? And it gives some tips of what you can do uh, or things you can talk to that friend about as the abuser. So I wanted to make sure we got those out um, before we ended as well. We have time. We have about 30 minutes left, so I just wanted to get that. Uh, this is Rodney, and we have a caller um, from A code three three zero, and the last four digits are four zero nine four. Caller, you are on the air with us. Hey Tammy, uh, this is Henry. How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? What's up, Henry? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I've uh, been listening for a little while. Great show tonight. I I, I just wanted to um, say I think that. Um, one of the problems, and I'm not sure if you touched on this because I kind of tuned in late, but one of the problems that um, with our teenagers is that we're not, we don't raise our sons to be husbands anymore. We we raise them to be survivalists. And when we, uh, when you don't really have much going on in life, you don't really have very many goals in life, and definitely if you have never discovered your spiritual purpose, the only thing that's worth protecting is your ego. That's all you got. And so anything that comes along to threaten your ego, you feel as though you have to crush. So living in a, and I'm not trying to open up a can of worms here, but living in a society that is starting to lean towards feminism and Independence, as far as the woman is concerned, and, and and a lot of men don't have the education or won't get the education, or are falling short in their finances, don't have that house, don't have that credit line or whatever. Here comes the lady with the independence; she got the car and the credit and everything else. Uh, that threatens the ego. <laughs> so it's really not, you know, it's, it's like you you have something that I can't get. Of course, this is a mentality. But, you know, so you try to work with that as best you can, and then when the argument comes, you know, because everybody gets into their little bitty, you know, disputes, the first thing sometimes that that woman does is she might remind you of just how independent she is, you know, like this is my house, you know. So 
the only thing, you know, he, there's no defense for that because it is her house. I am living under your roof. Okay, you did take me in and because, you didn't, you know, we got together, we got engaged, but you didn't want to come and live in my little apartment, so we decided to live into your house and move into your home, which kind of put, no, baby, don't worry about it. You know, this is our house. But really, it's your house. <clears throat> your name's on the D. We get into the argument, and then things get, you know, chaotic, and I'm reminded of how little of a man I am or how unsuccessful in life I've been. And the only thing there to protect is my ego. And so it causes me to lash out of her physically because that's the one thing I know I can do that she can't defend herself against. So I, I just wanted to uh, throw that out there. Um, and and um, you're absolutely right on that. You know, a lot of situations where, you know, the woman does have a lot of the assets within the relationship. And that is, in a, in a healthy relationship, you know, it is not used against the man. But in those unhealthy relationships, it is used against him because I will put you out, like you said, and I will do this and I will do that. And it is used as a control factor. And, yes, then that man is backed up into a corner because he's about to get put out and don't really have nowhere to go. He don't have no transportation nor the means to get anything um, or to put him on track if she instantly puts him out. And so that does cause a problem. Even though that once he put his hands on her um, in that manner, it's going to lead to him going out in handcuffs, it is still his ego, like you said, told him, she's not going to talk to me like this. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard, but, you know, a lot of men in society have to learn to walk away from that. But you you brought up a good point. We are raising our boys to survive and not to be husbands. You know, we got, and there's other aspects to that as to why we don't do it um, in society. You know, we have to teach them how to survive. We have to teach them how to, you know, even with law enforcement, you know, we have to teach them how to survive that aspect. But we forget about, you know, what we want our husbands to be, and that's good husbands, you know, when they finally become good husbands. So in in our society, we have to get back to the basis. We have to get back to that family structure. And this, each generation, I believe, started to, you know, it started to deteriorating after our generation. I'll be 45 in July. So I want to say somewhere after our generation and and our kids and, and their kids, you know, things just start going downhill. You know, there's no respect of life. There's no respect of, you know, our elders and, and different things. There, you know, it used to be that teacher called you from school, called that parent, man, that parent was all over that child. Now it's like the teacher called you, man, the whole family down there ready to jump up on the teacher. You see what I'm saying? Our The roles in our society have truly changed the morals, the values, the things that we hold sacred in our foundation of what this country is about has been diminished. And we have to change it somehow. And, and men, you know, we're supposed to do that, you know. So that that, that was a good point that you made, very, very good point. Well, I, I'm going to hang I'm going to hang up here in a second. Uh, can I just make one more little point, and then I'm going to hang up and listen to the rest sure. of the show, if you don't mind? Um is that okay, Tammy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. We're here. Oh, oh. Um, 
I think that you know, that was my point as far as the men was concerned about their egos. There's also a point about our women. Of course, our women uh, aren't really raised to be wives as, as much as they used to. But I think they're raised they're way they're raised more to be wives than men are to be husbands. But the woman, and I'm going to use a strong word here. I just hope you read between the lines because I'm not really saying this for real, but it's the best word to describe it. But most women today are kind of schizophrenic. <clears throat> they have a dual personality because there's a part of the woman that says that you have to be independent, that you don't need a man because if you train your daughter that you don't need a man just because, she, just in case she don't get one and she don't think her world comes to an end, so therefore you'd be able to survive on your own. On the other hand, there's still a part of almost every woman that wants to be a wife, okay? So you have these two conflicting things inside. So when a man comes along and beats that woman or abuses that woman, on the outer shell of her, there's this rough, not really rough, but this strong, independent, I ain't never going to let a man do this to me type deal. But when the emotions kick in, when she's laying there in the bed and you know, when she, you know, he's drunk and he finally went to sleep, but he done banged her around a little bit, and now they're both laying in the bed, and she's sitting there thinking, you know, should I, her thoughts might go from let me go boil some hot grits and throw them on him, but all of a sudden when she starts to, starts to uh, calm down a little bit, it starts to, well, he's the only thing I have, and he really doesn't, he's really not mean to me until he's drunk. He's really a great guy. And so now compromise, because I don't want to be alone, sets in. And so now we, we, we see from the outside looking in a couple where the man's beating on a woman and we can't understand why she don't want to walk away. You know, everybody can see it but her. She always makes excuses for him. But I think it's that dual nature that's working in her, you know, that before she got in the situation, she would tell you that if any man ever put her, hit their hands on her, she'd kill him, stab him, whatever, call the cops, all that kind of stuff. But now that she's in it, she feels as though, that she can be in a relationship which most of her friends uh, aren't in. Most of them, most women aren't in, in relationships. So I think there's a lot of compromise. So I'm going to hang up and listen to whatever you have to say. Thank you so <laughs> Good night, much. Um, I have a question for you all, and, and Gregory, you can answer this one too. What do you think, if you, if you have to go, that's fine, but if you want to chime in on this, that's fine as well. What do you think would happen young and old, I mean young by teenagers and our older people as well, if, say, if a man is the abuser and another man steps up and says, hey, no more, this is stop, this stops tonight, men don't do this, and the same for the, for those young people, what do you think will happen? Do you think that that would be a fabulous thing and it would it would change um, the situation for the most part or make it worse? Why or why not in any order? No, no, nobody? What do you think would happen? Let's just say, to make it more simpler, if a man is the abuser, what, it would, what would happen if other men stood up to that man and said, no more. This stops now. We will not stand by and allow this to happen. This is this is Rodney, and I and, and I think that if that if men began to step up to other men in, in cases of domestic violence, I think that it it would bring it to an end. The problem is, um, I think a huge part of the problem is the fact that even when 
we see things that are wrong, and we'll stick to the topic at hand: domestic violence. A lot of times, when we think, when we see things that are that are wrong, we tend to applaud them rather than um, criticize them, rather than jump on that uh, particular individual. Uh, for example, um, even if you want to think, if you want to talk about, you know, um, violence, period. If a white police officer um, shoots or harms a black male in any kind of way, then all of a sudden there's an outrage and people are fussing, people are laying in the middle of freeways and all of this stuff. But, you know, when it's black-on-black crime, all of a sudden we want to pull out cameras, we want to pull out phones, we want to videotape these things and put them on World Star Hip Hop, put them on Facebook, or, you know, social media, period. So I think that the problem is that we don't step up and say anything, um, and that's men included. A lot of times we condone these types of behaviors, even when it comes to domestic violence. You know, we we, we, we will say, oh, hit her again, oh, well, she deserves it, or we laugh about it. But if men began to stand up and challenge other men, uh, I think that we would see a change, and I'll make this last point, and I'll, and I'll let the other guys uh, speak on it as well. My first year of teaching, I had a student, uh, and this was fourth grade, mind you. Um, I had a student, and, I mean, this kid had a reputation. I didn't find out until I actually got to the school. But, you know, this kid was, I mean, he had a reputation for just being, you know, a really, really bad kid. Um, however, this kid knew that, you know, he had a teacher, me, who didn't play any games. And so I didn't I didn't allow my kids to leave um, and go and get on the bus until they were completely silent and, you know, ready for dismissal because, you know, it was silent dismissal. So beginning of the school year, the kids were really loud one day. And this kid, who everyone said, oh, he's so bad. This kid stood up because he knew how I was, and he just stood up and he said, sit down and get quiet, damn it. And you should have seen the way those kids responded to him. And granted, you know, I had to walk out of the room, first of all, and laugh because it was just so funny to me. But then I had to pull him out of the room and I said, hey, listen, you know, I appreciate you getting the class quiet. I appreciate the fact that, you know, you, you you took a stand today. I was like, but you cannot use that type of language. He was like, yeah, I know. He was like, but that's the only thing that they would respond to. And so, he, you know, he knew that. But the fact that, you know, the teacher was saying it, it didn't quite get their attention. But the fact that one of their own peers stood up and said it, one of the, you know, one of their peers that they were afraid of stood up and said it, like it just changed everything. And so, Instead of us sitting back and just being okay with it, I think that we do need to stand up and say something because I think it it, it would make a huge difference if men began to do something about it. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we do have to take a stance, and you're absolutely right, Ronnie. Um, and, and to the caller, you know, if, you, if we as men stood up instead of applauding the behavior and kind of laughing it off or sweeping it under the carpet, then, you know, a lot of these, you know, cases of domestic violence will go away. Now, you're just going to have some men who it's set in their mind that they're not going to change. They're, 
they're going to be them, and they're going to they're going to still try to reap that control. But for the most part, you know, if you step up to your sister's abuser, your cousin's abuser, or whoever, you know, then he he's going to be less likely to want to do that. And so, as a society, you know, we have to step forward. Now, there are things in place that if you say, okay, I don't really want to get involved, there are numbers out there that you can call and it's anonymous and, you know, these women can get the help that they need or at least start the ball on getting the help that they need, um, you know, so that they can feel safe. But I I totally agree. Men need to step up and, um, you know, and then a lot of these cases could um, be eradicated. Okay. Hi. Uh, am I still on? Yeah. Yes, you're still on. Oh, okay. Um, I, I would say that I think a lot of, uh, this is Henry, I, I think a lot of um, men don't step up because I think too many of us have seen cases where we stood up in defense of a woman, even maybe, maybe even gotten into a fist fight over the situation, and then a couple of days later she right back with the dude. And, you know, you could have got killed, and she ain't really done, you know. So it's kind of, you know, I, I remember uh, real quick, I remember um, seeing the situation where, I, where this guy, I think he, he slapped this little kid. And I was with a girl, and this was back in the days, and I was, like, physically in shape, really competing nationally in martial arts. And I told the girl, I said, that dude just hit that baby. And I said, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to power slam him through the sidewalk. <laughs> and I remember her saying to me, she grabbed my arm, and she said, Henry, she said, don't do that. And I said, why? And she said, because it's just going to make things worse for the kid when they get back home. So I had that was another angle I, had, I didn't even think of at that time. So there's sometimes there's ramifications. I think family can do that. I think, you know, you hit my sister, but with the breakdown of the family unit, Sometimes the brother and the sister not even speaking no more, or they hate each other, or he glad that somebody finally taught that you know what a lesson. So everything kind of goes back to what the, what the speaker of the hour is saying is that that family unit has to do. Once you repair the family unit, a lot of this stuff will go away. Yeah, and then we can't we can't give up on our loved ones, you know, because and what I mean by that when I say we can't give up on them is a lot of times we will intervene as family. We will get this guy out of your situ- out of your life, out of your house, and all this other stuff. But then that next day, or maybe even that night, you're back with him after all this drama. And so a lot of families will say, "Well, you know, I, I just did all this, and-, and you back with him." Well, you know, it- it's like that sometimes, but you you can't give up on him, you know, because trust me, the situation is going to. Um, continue, and she has to be tired of being tired before she actually, you know, says, like, look, I I don't want to go through this. And and it's a process with domestic violence, you know. It is a process. So, you know, at every angle, when there's a solution, there's always a ramification, and you have to take the greater of the two and say, hey, you know, what am I going to do? You know, if, if I do something, you know, it's a possibility he could retaliate, but if I don't do something, he, he surely is going to retaliate. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's just, you know, these are just, you know, hard pills to swallow in our society, but, you know, we got to do what we do to make it do what it do. 
You know, we've become so dehumanized because I think about even as you guys were talking about it's something we can do and, and we can call and report it even if we choose not to do, uh, not to personally step in. And we've become a, a people that won't report child abuse. How often, even more recent, that a child abuse case hits the news and someone says, an, either a neighbor or a relative says, Oh, he's been doing or she's been doing this for a while. So how did you become so dehumanized in this particular situation where child abuse? So imagine if someone won't report child abuse, how little or how much less will they report domestic abuse? Because as he said, oftentimes they think, well, you're going to go back anyway. But people literally lay down and listen to domestic violence taking place where there are children in the home or even child abuse. I mean, they, they hear it through the walls or they know it's going on but will not report it. And so that in itself creates anger because kids know that you know and adults know that you know. And some people, you guys, they just, like you said, uh, Gregory, some people won't out but they've been threatened. They, even people, young people who are abused sexually the number one thing I've heard consistently from every young girl that I've talked to is my abuser said that he would kill me, my mom, and my siblings. Everyone has said that. Now, someone knew this child was being abused. Someone knew. It does not go unknown. So we have to look at, I put so much on with Rodney on the parents and, and you as well, Gregory. Parents, we have a great responsibility to know what's going on with our children. I don't care how old they are. Ben is 26, but you better believe I know even he doesn't live with me, and I know when something's going wrong. Even if I don't see him, I feel it spiritually. Why? Because I'm a praying mama. I'm a praying mama. And it's whatever I can't see with my, with my human eyes, I want God to show me, and I want to be able to hear even if yeah, I can't yeah. do about it, I pray about it because I won't be able to handle this 26-year-old, every situation this 26-year-old comes through. He's a man, and I shouldn't be, I shouldn't have to, but I can pray because I know who can handle all of his stuff. But we are, we even our 13-year-olds, Gregory, you said this earlier, we don't know what's going on with them. How How is that possible as a parent? That's right, because we, we, we have to definitely, it's all about paying attention. And, well, you know, what do we say to the folks who don't believe in God? You know, like, and I think we talked about this on the last show. You know, but we know what's right and what's wrong, and we and we know, we still know the demeanor of our children, that something is not right. You know, and somebody somebody knows something all the time. And it's it's just that we have to get into not that we're becoming, you know, we want to be snitches or anything, because that's the word, that's the term that's thrown around, especially with these teenagers. Oh, you a snitch, or you, or you know, you did this, or you did that. You know, you a sellout. Man, that's crazy. How how are you a sellout when you're preventing somebody from getting beaten or killed? I, I just don't understand that mentality. And you know, we in society, we have to change that. We have to say to ourselves that, you know, silence hides the violence and we have to speak up. You know, as in my, um, you know, organization, 
our slogan is, you know, no one has the right to love you to death. But even saying that, you know, people still feel that they have that power and control over somebody and that they have the right to take someone's life. No one is the giver of life but God, and no one is the taker of life but God, you know. And and that's how it should be, but it's definitely not in our society like that anymore. Okay. Well, I ask if you sell out, if you snitch when it's going on, and that if you do, and that means you're a sellout, then what might people come for when someone has been killed or 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 it's over, like the worst has happened? Then what are they being? People don't think about that. If you're a sellout when it's happening, if, if you tell, if you if you snitch, I'll use your the terms that these young people use. If you snitch while it's happening, and that makes you a sellout, then what is the discussion about, or what are you when the work has happened and you decide to speak up about it? What are you then? I mean, it, and it, it's always a double-edged sword, you know. Some people will say, well, you know, you're a sellout when you don't do anything. And then, um, I mean, it's just hard. And then when that person gets killed and you sat there and, and did nothing, you know, I, I'm not going to say, well, I mean, we don't have – any other way but to say it, sometimes that blood is on your hands too because you knew that something was going on and you absolutely did nothing. I mean nothing. Now, you didn't pull the trigger, you didn't swing the knife, or nothing like that, but you had knowledge. You had knowledge of the fact that this person was being beat up and abused, which led them to being killed, and you did nothing. A lot of times that blood is on your hands just as well. And when people know stuff, you know, I get a lot of emails from different family members on that very thing. They said, hey, I knew and I didn't intervene. Now she's gone and and I feel terrible. I don't get sleep. I don't eat, you know. And, you know, what if? Well, then what if times are gone now because she's gone and we have to step up. So, it's just a hard, you know, domestic violence is just one of them things in society that is here, and if we don't change, we can't change a culture until we change a mindset, if that makes sense. You cannot change a culture unless you change a mindset, and that comes with education, it comes with being leaders in our households, and it comes with being the voice for those who feel that they can't stand up for themselves. You know, I mean, we it's hard, but we have to do it. You know, we don't want to see our loved ones and our friends being humiliated, talked about, or abused in public. And if you think about it, if a man talks to a woman crazy in front of their family and friends, what do you think he's doing at home? So that is your opportunity right there when that man is talking crazy in front of them family and friends to intervene, to interject yourself and say, no, 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 it's not going to happen because I know, I know what you're doing. You know, in some situations that will cure the problem if he's confronted, but in a lot of situations it don't, and other measures have to be taken to get that woman to safety. You know, I it's just a whole, you know, another Another show we could talk about, you know, the steps that we can take 
to get women out of these situations. So, um, you know, it, it's let's, hard. Hey, Gregory, we've we got yeah. like five minutes to go. Let's make sure that we get the website out. And I want people, I want to remind people, especially those who listen, um, who are from Memphis or, or can get to Memphis, uh, the Walking in Her Shoes Domestic Violence Conference slash walk. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the conference and walk as well. But it is April 18th. There is a, a Facebook um, event page that's out there. You can you can just enter in Butterfly Evolution, Walking in Her Shoes, or just Walking in Her Shoes. And I, I believe it comes up that way as well. But if you can't find it, inbox Gregory, uh, Rodney, or myself, and we'll connect you to it. But it is April 18th. Um, if you'd like to be a vendor, uh, set up a table, something there, please let me know as soon as possible. Uh, but it's from 10 to 1. I think I have – do I have those times right, Gregory? Because I don't have it in front of me. I think we have to change yes, because of the location. Yes, um, the time is going to be 10 to 1. Um, the, the event will start 10 to 1. And we're also, uh, Ms. Tammy, asking people, if, if they would, please go to our website, walkinginhershoes.org, and we're asking if you could purchase a T-shirt or one of our items. When you purchase one of those items on our website, it goes to us um, meeting our goal to try to get safe houses for women and try to obtain safe houses for women, and that's what we're doing. We're raising money to um, get these houses structurally across, uh, well, not structurally, strategically across the United States. So we're just asking everybody, um, especially those who want to participate in the walk, please go to walkinginhershoes.org and order you a shirt so we can all be united in this walk against domestic violence. And the event is free. So if you could purchase a shirt, um, that'd be great. The event is free regardless. But, again, if if you're planning on attending or if you have a business and you'd like to donate, uh, a shirt, what we will do is on that program, we will list your business on the back of the program um, that we use for that day. So just contact me if you'd like to donate. If you can't attend and you'd like to donate a shirt, you can contact, again, Gregory or Rodney or myself, and we'll, we'll get you to the right place to do that. Um, but if you want to be a vendor and you're going to be in the area or you want to be, please, please, um, because as, as we all have said tonight, we have to start speaking about things that really matter, the issues that are going to change that culture um, by changing that mindset. And, and if we want to change, if you want to change yourself, you got to change your mindset. you got to change the way you think and the way that you perceive and look at things because I, I get the reality and the and, and, and perceptive thing, but that doesn't mean it's, it's it's right for everybody and everything. And your reality does not mean it's always right for you and that it is the absolute truth. Because how we think and see things comes from a lot of what we've seen, our environment, our our circumstances, our upbringing. And so we have to get a grip on those things um, and start being more active and participating in the things that is wrong. So we just have to, a wise lady tells me, do what's right and leave the consequences to God. Because you would not want to be that person who says, I knew and I did not do anything. I seen this happening and I turned my eye to it. I heard it and I went deaf to it. Young or old, teen, 
you do not want to be that person. And you do not want to be the person that let it go, and this child is now an adult dealing with issues and things that keep them from being that parent that they should be, that leads them to being an inactive parent, because a lot of the inactiveness as a parent comes from things that were were not addressed. I'm not going to give you this as an excuse because you still have a choice, because if you choose to be the abuser or not, it's still a choice. It's still your choice. And just like you make the choice to be, you can make the choice not to be. Simple. Simple the choice. I'm not saying the actions or the work that it takes to do it or get out of it is is simple. Not at all. But in order to get out of anything, you gotta first know you're there and you gotta acknowledge why you're there. Why? What's the why? And what's what's the reason that you need to get out? Or stop. So I'm going to turn it over to Rodney. Um, Gregory, thank you again for coming on the show. And, and again, walkinginhershoes.org is uh, the website that you can go out and order your shirt. If you'd rather just contact us, you can do that as well. But walkinginhershoes.org, O-R-G. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Rodney, for having me on again. Um, like I said, domestic violence is just something very passionate to me. Um, just a little quick background before I go. You know, it it happened in our family twice. Um, We lost two beautiful women and then a very close friend that following year who was like family um, who died as a result of murder-suicide. So it is is something that is passionate. It's something that has been woken up in me to speak out about. And we as a society together can, you know, make a change with it. And always remember, no one has the right to love you to death. Once again, thank you, Tammy and Rodney, and y'all have a good night. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. You do the same. Uh, this is Rodney, and and as we close out this show tonight, we just want to say thank you again to uh, Gregory uh, for being on with us and talking about something that is definitely um, very uh, present in our society. And just remember, everyone, that even if you are not personally affected or suffering from domestic violence, it does not mean that it is not a part of your life. Once again, this has been Rodney and Sammy on another episode of the Butterfly Evolution Show. We want to thank you all for tuning in with us on tonight. We hope that you'll join us next week, same time, same station. Good night, everyone. It's been a long
but I know a change gon' come. Oh, yes it will. I go to the movie and I go downtown. Somebody keeps telling me don't hang around. It's been a long. But I know a change gon' come. Oh, yes it will. Then I go to my brother and I say, brother, help me, please. But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. Oh, there been times that I thought I couldn't last for long. But now I think I'm able to carry But I know change gon' come. Oh, yes, it will. Man, moment I've been waiting on. And my soul is overflowing. Anxieties and expectations Full of desire I just want it so bad You know And it just seems so real It's right there Just want to reach out and touch it Before it all disappears Sometimes It feels like Everything is passing me by Every now and then it's busy life My ship has gone and sailed away But I, I gotta be strong Gotta hold on It won't be too long Yeah. 
like fighting with gravity And it's bringing me down If this world is really wild Then tell me how, how, how. It's just a lonely you to come around 